Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sex Ed Podcast. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Jen. This week, we are talking to Kate Isaacs about porn. She runs the Not Your Porn campaign in the UK and is also the host of the Let's Talk About Porn Baby podcast. We're going to discuss everything in this porn utopia, from porn as sex education to revenge porn laws and ethical porn consumption. Just as a heads up, this show is not for kids. Additionally, this week, we do have a trigger warning on this episode around sexual assault. Uh, feel free to turn this episode off and meet us here next week instead. Otherwise, uh, I definitely learned a lot about porn in this episode, and we hope you do too. Enjoy! Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for being here and talking to us today. I guess let's get started. Can you share your pronouns and sexuality? Of course. I am. My, so my pronouns are she, her, and my sexuality is straight most of the time. Um, so <laughs> I would say like 90% of the time I'm straight. And then I, it depends on the people I meet, I guess. I've had like a number of thinking they were girl crushes and they weren't actual girl crushes. I just actually fancied them. Like I liked them sexually. So yeah, I think I'm straight most of the time is what I would say. I love it. Nice. Love we it. love it. <laughs> cool. So today we're going to talk a little bit with you about like your personal experience with sex ed, but I think we're going to have a little bit of a focus on porn because of your work in the Not Your Porn campaign and your podcast. Let's talk about Porn, Porn baby. baby. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can start with you telling us a little bit about the sex education that you got growing up. I think uh, I definitely was probably quite young when I had my sexual awakening. And I think that I've been so fascinated by sex ever since. Um, I think it's it's so fundamental to like everything. And I love it. And I think it's something that was so important to me. Um, growing up. But in terms of sex education, <laughs> there wasn't a hell of a lot. I remember putting a condom on a banana in class <laughs> and learning how to get the air out of a banana and how to tie like whether it was upside down or not. Oh. Um, and then like the awful pictures of like genital herpes and like we talk yeah. about genital herpes that obviously have been untreated for like 20 years because I've never like you don't come across like a blue vagina that often. It, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was sheer like terror more than anything else there weren't that many conversations about birth control I grew up in a Welsh village where everyone knew everyone and my next door neighbor's uncle was our local doctor and so mm. things like <laughs> getting contraception and no one finding out about it was kind of mm. terrifying as well yeah um, I remember being about 11 I think and uh, I had a boyfriend who Ooh. I loved, I was completely in love with. Aww. Start younger. And I guess we were kind of like, we were kissing, we were like making out, like 11's pretty young, but I remember us doing that and and sort of feeling like a little tingle and being like, oh, okay. And we were texting each other on our Nokia 3310s and it was all- Hell yeah. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> great. I remember one time, it was so funny actually, he sent me a text, I remember so vividly. He was like, um, say hi to the twins from me. But if you don't understand what this message means, don't show your dad. And I didn't know what this message meant. And I'm going through, I'm like, the twins, the twins. I was so flat chested. Girls, I didn't go through. I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh-huh, okay. But I remember that anyway. So next thing I know, my mum's ushering me into our local bookstop uh, shop um, and, and whispering to the, the book clerk, uh, and we go to the back of the store and I don't know, really know what's going on. I'm like, mom, what did you just buy? And she's like, shh, it's fine. 
And we go home and she gives me this book, which is like a sex ed, what's going on with my body book and tells me to go upstairs and read it. <laughs> and so I text my boyfriend at the time and I'm like, hey, this thing had just happened. And my dad, my mum's giving me a book. And she's like, he was like, oh my God, me too. I was like, have our mums been colluding? <laughs> so we then spent like four hours on the phone going through this book. It was the same book? Your yeah, mom's got you the same, same book. book? Yeah, it was the same book. <laughs> but that was pretty much... The thing of my sexual education. Um, and I'd say, like, I honestly think the majority of my sex education, I kind of just learned from experiencing sex. Right. Um, so many of the people we interviewed in our first season of this podcast learned about sex through porn. And it sounds like that was, like, not at all something that you really experienced. Like, how come? You just weren't curious? I was scared that. I would be found out for accessing porn. You know, we're talking about a time where we had a family computer. Right. That, that was in like an actual space. And like, I didn't have a phone, like a smartphone that I could look it up on. And it just didn't really, it didn't, I think I was just scared to access it. And I think I wasn't ready to see adults doing it. Like I was curious about me and my boyfriends at that age, but the thought of like adults having sex at that time, or even at 16, the thought of like a 30 year old having sex, like I didn't want to see that. Like that was scary. <laughs> like that's a scary penis. Like we don't want to see this in action, but like a guy that's my age, like 16, 17, it's not as intimidating, you know? And I, uh, I guess yeah. I assume that the, I remember the first time I did watch porn, my boyfriend at the time was like, do you want to watch it? And I was like, Okay. Um, fine <laughs> and it was these two blonde girls for reference I'm blonde these two oh, blonde two girls, like, girls? Out, two girls making out I was wow. like huh I'm thinking this is actually really hot and then we ended up having sex afterwards and I was like that was really hot and I think that was the moment I realized that I was only straight some of the time ah. um, but it, like that was the first experience I ever had with it and I didn't really go after it any other time I yeah. also watched porn for the first time like legit porn for the first time with a boyfriend and the video he picked was like a point of view Ooh. of this lady with like she didn't look like me at all she looked like a porn star giving a blowjob and I was like I don't like this this isn't doing <laughs> anything for me dude yeah no I mean the- <laughs> He didn't know his audience very well, did he? Like, at least no. I was like, I feel like my boyfriend was like, I'm going to show her some fit blonde girls having sex and see if she does anything. <laughs> but like, why would you want to see the top of a girl? You don't have a penis. Like, this is right. not You can't put yourself me. in that scenario. Oh. The girl doesn't look like you. Like, there's no... Not what a it. selfish prick. You should really... Oh, no, like- that tracks. That tracks with the rest of our... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not here for that. We're not here for a point of view if you can't put yourself in the view. No, it was just, it was a weird one. I just had a really strange relationship with it. And it just wasn't something I thought that was made for me specifically. Right. Like, I didn't feel like the porn producer in this very popular Pornhub video had made this with, like, my preferences in mind. It felt so male, straight male <laughs> right. orientated, like, hetero male cis. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. was, it felt, even, like, the lesbian porn felt like it was mm-hmm. not meant for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Like it felt like there was a guy watching it and like these two girls were literally only making out and kept looking back at him and being like, oh, you like this? And I'm like, girl, she's fit. What are you doing? She's so hot. This girl in front of you is so hot. Why do you give a crap about the creepy bald man in the corner? Like, (laughs) focus on her. Yeah, no, it was, it's so, it's so male, like cis heterocentric. So yeah. I did watch a fair amount of porn when I was in school and a teenager and I had the same thought process that this was not made for me, but I definitely understood it was made for men. And so sort of felt like I had to perform that way Mm. when I was having sex. So I think I internalized that a lot more 
than it sounds like you did, which I'm glad that you did not. But for me, it was like stuff I had to unlearn later that like porn is not real life. <laughs> and totally. like today, you're not supposed to perform sex. You're both supposed to be into it, and enjoying it. Right. I, I think that a lot of probably young people who come to porn before they have any sexual experiences probably have similar experiences to me. So oh, I don't know if you have any like ideas on how you can totally watch I mean, porn and like <laughs> understand the difference. <laughs> definitely. And it, it's something that we, I think like we didn't have, have access to the internet from birth, especially like our own personal internet. Whereas mm-hmm. like <laughs> here quotes kids these days, they do <laughs> and they grow up with that. And the internet is a given and they have smartphones at 10 years old that they can access mm-hmm. the internet on. And therefore <laughs> it's very, it's like, it mean, and I always say this, there, there's always like all of the really shitty adults on Twitter being like, why are these kids even sexting in the first place? Why are they sending these videos and photos of each other? And I'm like, there was, they're going through their like sexual awakening. Like, of mm-hmm. course this happens. You were curious. You wanted to know, like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. That shit happened. It's been happening for years. But their phone is an extension of them and that's how they learn. So it makes complete sense that that's what they would do. Like, you mm-hmm. show me mine, I'll show you yours kind of thing. But we have a phone so we can look at multiple and we don't have to have been left alone in the paddling pool by our mums <laughs> to be able to do that. And it makes complete sense they would do that. Um, right, yeah. But then the problem is, I think we've we've got this issue now where sexual education is getting better, but it's still so far from good enough. Yeah. Um, and sure. I think, I don't know if, I think it must be the case in the US as well, um, especially maybe if you are like more anti-sex before marriage kind of thing and you don't want to have those conversations or you live in the UK and we just don't have those conversations anyway. Um, <laughs> that like, of course, if you don't have sufficient sexual education, these kids are going to go to porn because they know what right. Pornhub is at age 10. Someone's told them what Pornhub is. They can go on Pornhub. There's no age verification process. They can just be like, yes, right. I am 18. Tick. <laughs> They've learned how to do that since they were about two years old. They know right. how to get like bypass that. And their first experiences of sex is porn and Mm -hmm. it's just as you know like it's so performative and I am I was speaking to an incredible woman sex worker called Alexa Vice um, and we were having a conversation about porn and sex ed and, and what we can do and how we kind of make sure that kids know that this is a performance rather than actual like actual sex yeah. She's like, we know when we go and watch Star Wars, we know it isn't real. Like you go to the movie theater and you watch something like Star Wars, you know that's a film. You know that's like made for entertainment. You don't know that about porn. Like mm-hmm. we're showing like mm-hmm. people on the moon or on like different planets and things. And like, th- we're not saying that that is what the real world is like. But when you go and watch porn, you think that that's what sex is like. And she was like, I feel like there needs to be some warnings. And a lot of that is to do with the fact that even though we're getting better at talking about sex, we do not talk about porn. Porn is still yeah. so shameful. Masturbation mm-hmm. is still shameful. You know, if we're, we're great, we're starting to talk about sex more and pleasure and, and consent. And we're trying to integrate those kind of themes into that conversation, but we're still not talking about porn and we're not yeah. acknowledging it, it even exists. So we then just allow children to think that that's completely normal. And although it's a normal mm-hmm. maybe for them to watch porn, the porn that they're watching is performative and it's meant right. to be highly, highly stimulating. And the reason that woman is screen like, screaming her lungs out isn't because that guy is like doing her really well it's because (laughs) it gets you off and it's a form of entertainment like this is what Mm -hmm. like it's it's a really hyper stimulated um and performance based on your own personal kinks and 
whatever. So I think in terms of sex ed, I think first has to make sure they cover porn in there because we are absolutely fucking kidding ourselves if we don't think children are accessing porn. Like talk about porn, tell them what it is, tell them it's a form of like entertainment, tell them it it can be normal, teach them where to go. If you know that like there is illegal content on Pornhub, which we know very well, don't tell them not to go on Pornhub. Tell them, let them know about the kind of like abuse that might be going on on that platform and and what they should avoid and and what's not okay. And and I think the problem is we don't want to do that because a lot of the porn out there isn't okay. There's not that many mainstream porn websites which are good enough. I don't think as a like good depictions of of porn or like sexuality as art. And there's yeah. not many free places either. So I think it's twofold. I think we need to really like sort out the industry. We need to ensure that people are paid for their work because sex mm-hmm. workers a lot of the time aren't and don't have the kind of same security that a lot of us do in, in different industries. And I think we need to talk to our kids about porn and let them know that like this isn't normal and this isn't okay and this is okay and this is a kink. But that doesn't mean, you know, like you, you doesn't mean you can hit someone during sex just because that woman was hit during sex. <laughs> like consent is a thing yeah. porn. and I think it's just again having those conversations about consent and it being a linear thing like it's something right. that is continuous it's like just because a girl decided to send you a naked picture of herself does not mean she consented to it being shared with your friends yeah. or just because a woman has agreed to having sex with you once doesn't mean that you're going to get to do that again or that she's entitled to send you yeah, you're entitled to have her nudes and you're entitled like it's a continuous process as is sex yeah. we don't think about that in the digital space enough and i don't think we think about sexual consent enough in that yeah. way either and it comes full circle because then i think there's the other half of it like being like you shouldn't be shamed for doing that either yeah. and the reason a lot of these photos get shared around schools it's because of a shaming tactic with other yeah, kids right. and or it's yeah. it's sheer like curiosity but also it's a shaming thing and like it wouldn't be such a big deal I don't know what the rules are in the U.S. but in the U.K. they're told in school that if they take pictures or videos of themselves when they're under the age of 18 they're producing child pornography and they are liable it's meant yeah. to be a preventative tactic it's meant to scare kids into not doing it which yeah. I kind of understand because you don't want kids taking pictures of their bodies and sharing them because they can fall into the wrong hands and and that can be really detrimental to them. They don't have the same concept of, as consequence. But we de- we also tell them that if you have sex under the age of 16, that's rape because you don't have the capabilities to understand that, that you don't have like the the mechanisms yet to be able to consent like you don't know the consequences of that so when we say that and then we say but if you take photos of yourself you're committing a crime and that's that's child pornography like when it comes to them actually doing it because they don't have any sort of mechanism of consequence and they and they you know might do something that they might regret later on we then but they're still liable which means when it all goes horribly wrong which sometimes it does or it ends up on like creepy and I mean there's whole categories on Pornhub which are dedicated to like Snapchat stolen teen videos and I had messages from kids being like I don't know how to get this off they're not going to tell their mum they're not going to tell their parent they're not going to tell their teacher and they're not going to tell the police because they're afraid that they're going to be in trouble yeah therefore that content is then able to be shared and shared and shared and shared and they are terrified because they have broken the law and then therefore it just doesn't get stopped right and it's just we have this really skewed like perception of porn I think and and it being so separate to sex that we don't apply the same kind of learnings that we have to sex to porn and I just think that's so detrimental yeah totally I'm 
I'm curious to touch on something that you mentioned earlier, which is like talking to your kids about porn. And if we look at that through the lens of like, obviously like free sites are not good uh, and we need to be paying sex workers. That, I don't know, that kind of leads to an interesting conclusion of like, if you know your kids are going to watch porn, you don't want them to watch stuff from the free sites because it's maybe bad or stolen or whatever kind of fucked up. Should you tell your kids that they should pay for porn at a certain age? Like how, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of an interesting idea. Hey, it's so hard. I'll caveat this with, I am not a parent. Yeah. And I can imagine if I was a parent and this was a conversation I needed to have, as much as I am talking about porn openly, I don't know if I would be able to be able to tell my 15-year-old son or daughter that they could go to this website to, to access porn. Um, right. And it, it's it's impossible, right? But it's one of those mm-hmm. things where we need to talk about porn and sexual education to highlight what it is and, and that it's not real sex. And I think a lot of that, therefore, will take away the curiosity element of porn, I think. I think if they, they know that it's like this exists, but it's entertainment and maybe you could watch it, but like here's all these other resources that you can access if you're curious about sex. Maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing. Like these are the resources you can access if you're curious about sex. If you do go to these porn websites, just to be aware, like there are kind of like difficult things to watch on there that you might not want to watch yet. And therefore, let's kind of have conversations about it and, and critique it and and work out what's best for you. I think it's a child-by-child basis. I think yeah. sex education is vital and acknowledging yeah. porn is vital. But what you choose to do in that conversation in terms of whether you think your child is ready to be exposed to that or how you want to teach them about porn and and the, the pornographic world, I think that's down to you as a parent, knowing your kid. But yeah. it's hard. It's so hard. And so many things like related to parenting, you just have to like give your kids the tools and hope that they use them when they're there, right? Like if you talk about consent and, you know, continually getting consent from people and like porn is entertainment, hopefully by the time they're watching porn, they're like, they've internalized that, right? Yeah. Um, I think people get really scared about sex ed. I think especially those who are slightly more prudish and they don't want to talk about sexual education with their kids because they're worried that that will like, teach their kids to go look for sex yeah but I think there's like varying degrees of that and I think you you just kind of have to grin and bear it slightly and and talk to them about it knowledge is power being able to like communicate and talk about something takes away something awful's power Mm -hmm. and I think there is a way of doing age-appropriate sex education. Yeah, there's, I mean there's studies that show that if you teach comprehensive sex education it does not make people more likely to have sex and you need to inform people of the decisions they're making. Cause like, I know for me, I had very little sex education that was all abstinence based and like religious based. And guess what? I'm one of those people that ended up trying to have anal sex when I was 14 and I didn't Ooh. fucking know what I was doing. Oh God. I was just trying to avoid Sorry. doing vaginal penetration. No, it's fucking funny. That's it's not funny. funny. It's terrible. <laughs> it is funny. It's if terrible. you can't laugh about it, you're going to cry. So it's <laughs> I'm fine. I've come to terms with it now. <laughs> like, I, like, I just felt my whole body like zip up and hollow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor 14 year old Kaylee. I know. I know, but that's a, yeah. that was a consequence of like mm-hmm. only being told like, oh, vaginal sex is wrong and needs to be saved for your husband. And this was my boyfriend's idea. Shocking. Somewhere, where can I put it? Yeah. Oh, you know, he if, was if like, what's totally important. He would have been like, oh, you can put it in the ass too. Like it's just as oh, easy. Oh, totally. Easy. Yeah. He, like, oh, yeah. 
had a porn problem like and I remember mm. his parents caught him or like they found his internet history and we got in this huge fight because he was just mad that he got caught and in trouble was it he was, like it was it's because you won't have sex with me that I have yeah. to watch porn that I got <laughs> like, probably <laughs> yeah just to make this even more nuanced in a in a short episode there's obviously the issue of porn addiction which is a very real right. thing um, yeah. But again, I, I'm, it's the same thing. Like I love a drink. Arguably, at the moment, I'm probably verging on alcoholism because we're in the <laughs> third national lockdown. But like, it's you know there are restrictions around alcohol. There is information around alcoholism. There are restrictions and around gambling and information about gambling. Like we acknowledge that these different addictions exist. And just because you know Bob down the road's addicted to gambling doesn't mean that I can't enjoy gambling because I'm not addicted vice versa like we have a very especially with alcohol in the UK we're like yeah everyone drinks from the age of like five if you get an alcohol problem then we'll deal with that later but like you drinking is completely normal um but it porn addiction is absolutely a thing like the serotonin that it that yeah. it kind of gives you and, and people get addicted to it and I think again it, it I don't think it's porn necessarily causing that problem it's the like as a concept, I think it's the the lack of conversation around porn. And therefore, if you're not talking mm. about porn, you're not talking about porn addiction, for example. So they don't know what's normal. Like you don't know what's normal amount yeah. to want to watch porn. Like you don't you don't know the ramifications of that when you're when you're younger and what's kind of like curiosity and and wanting to jack off and versus mm-hmm. this is interrupting my life now and this is affecting yeah, right. my sex life and this like I can't come now in like reality because mm-hmm. I need to be like highly stimulated all the time but again like I said I just think that all of these elements like give it its power to be able to yeah. sort of run themselves and do what they want and and if we don't critique media we know that it's not fun and it's not good for society and I think right. porn needs to be included in that. So I think this actually might be a good time to talk about the work that you do, both the campaign, Not Your Porn, and your podcast, Let's Talk About Porn Baby. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about the campaign and podcast and how you got started working on them? I started the uh, hashtag Not Your Porn campaign in the UK back, I want to keep saying last year, but we're now in 2021. So it was 2019, (laughs) even though 2020 just shouldn't count. Um, So I started that back in 2019 after a friend of mine had her iCloud account hacked and a bunch of videos. Yeah, it was awful. A bunch of her videos got taken from her iCloud account and they got uploaded to Pornhub and she was completely distraught. It was just an absolute mess. Oh my God. Oh, Um, fuck. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, how the hell is she on Pornhub? I was like, Pornhub's a legit company. Like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's like Facebook. Like, that's all right. I mean, Facebook's a legit company. Lol. Um, <laughs> basically, it was a kind of situation where I was like, I don't understand how this has happened. How can a company take your videos and use them without your consent? Especially something right. as, you know, vulnerable as like a sex tape. And I got in contact with them and they were just absolutely crap. We tried to get it taken down and they just weren't responding. They had her full name attached to the video, which just (gasps) sucked as well. And she kept getting messages on Twitter and Instagram. That's how she found out she was on there. She got messages on Twitter and Instagram. Oh my God. And it was just, it was awful. And it was just so, I mean, the period of time when she was going through that, she once said to me, um, she's been a, she was a victim of, of sexual assault before as well um when she was younger and she said this felt more like this hurt more than than that because it was just she felt like she was so exposed it was like someone had like put it publicly like sexually assaulted her so publicly 
Um, right. And she didn't know what to do about it and everyone could see it. And she was like, that hurt more than anything else. Um, so finally got in touch with Pornhub and they just refused to delete it. Um, so then I got really pissed off because I just didn't understand how this was happening. Like Pornhub's owned by a company called MindGeek who own around 80% of the commercialized porn industry globally, like all of the tube sites. Damn. Um, and they have an office in the UK. So I was like, okay, let's sort this out. So I wrote to my MP, which is like our political representative, and I was like, this is happening. Isn't this illegal? We have this thing called the revenge porn law, which means that people can't share intimate images without your consent. So surely this is illegal. And it's being done by a company. Like it's the commercialization of that abuse. And I'm like, that can't be legal. Can we Can we do something? Can we sue them? And then uh, the Minister of Justice came back to me in London and said that the revenge porn law only applies to individuals, not to commercialized companies. So what? That, yeah wild right just this i mean the original revenge porn laws that we have in this country are super outdated um they're like they were written in 2013 and you can imagine how much the internet has moved on since then right me over here just wishing we had any revenge porn i know i'm sorry (laughs) so just sort of couldn't understand why there was that massive loophole in the law and then the more i started talking about it on twitter and realized that all of these women started coming forward and they were like yeah this has happened to me i'm on Pornhub and i can't get myself off of it and i'm like what the fuck? Like, this is a Mm. thing. Like, I Mm. thought this was a weird fluke that had happened to my friend. And I was like, this sucks for you. Like, I'm so sorry. But it turned out there were entire categories like dedicated to this. So just did some digging and just realized that it was just, there were no checks. There's no consent process. There's no be like, there's not even a little tick box to say like, are all of the people in this video like consenting to be on this website? Mm -hmm. They had up until recently, um, thank God it's gone now, a download button. So as soon as it got uploaded without any kind of moderation, it could be downloaded by everyone and then just re-uploaded again. And there was just so many really screwed up things that were happening. I just thought it was really like sheer laziness. Um, But as campaigning kind of carried on, uh, realized that there was a lot of underage abuse on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a, a joint investigation with Sunday Times, which is a newspaper publication over here. And we found videos of kids as young as three on Pornhub. And it was just like, shit. oh, it was shit. It was so shit. It was one of those things where I was so determined to find it to prove that this website was so shit at moderating their content. And then I saw it and I was like, shit, I can't unsee this now. <laughs> like, what have I done? Right. Like, you just right. you can't unsee that. And it's it sucked. And so after that, we kind of realized, and I had a conversation with Pornhub shortly after that, where they just were very, like, they just didn't care. And they had very few moderators. And it was just kind of the situation where, like, we've literally allowed this huge company to profit from image-based sexual abuse. And we've allowed mm-hmm. them to continue, even though they're a legit registered company, like Unilever yep. were advertising on them. You know, it was it, They're a legit company, but because we don't talk about porn, we allow this company to do whatever the hell they want because no one's regulating them because it's not a real industry, in air quotes. Right. So we're mm-hmm. allowing them all of the privileges of being like a real industry, but we're not putting any regulation on them. And that's why I started the podcast, Let's Talk About Porn Baby, because I realized it was a twofold issue. There was the lack of regulation of the commercialized porn industry for victims of image-based sexual abuse, child abuse images, and sex workers, because Pornhub has been ripping off their content for years. And then there's the other side of it where we don't have conversations about porn, even though they're like the most visited websites. So we're talking like over Facebook, over Google, like we're all accessing porn at some point, right? And yeah. 
we still don't have those conversations about like the content and therefore we don't critique it. And then that allows it to become this big, scary monster that no one talks about and no one critiques. So I just realized it was a huge ass problem, especially in the UK, because we're just prudes and <laughs> we don't like to talk about sex or porn. Uh, so I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to start talking about it and hope my nan doesn't cringe too much. Um, and then, yeah, it's been that ever since. So we had a really big victory recently. Uh, Pornhub got rid of... 10 million of their videos which was 80 percent um and they got rid of the download button right so there are a lot of victims who are sleeping a lot easier yeah big win but then we i mean it's still there's so much to do like there's so much to do is it because of campaigns like the one you're running that they kind of started to listen to this feedback i hope so i mean not really (laughs) um I mean, in some ways, we we kind of they I've, like I said, I've had conference calls with them, and they just they just deny they have a problem because it's just bad PR to admit that they do, mm. and therefore it we kind of just started taking down companies, and we were like, hey Unilever, do you know that Pornhub does this? Here's all that evidence, and they were like, cool, we're never going to advertise with them ever again. Hey yeah. Heinz, did you know this? Shit, we're never yeah. going to advertise with them again. PayPal, and we kind of just kept taking them down by one by one. But the major clincher was the credit card companies, Mastercard and Visa. Mm. Um, and they weren't listening to us. And it was just one of those things where the campaign kept growing and they didn't listen. And then suddenly MasterCard and Visa were pulling out and they were like, shit, okay, we'll do something about this. And so it really came down to profit and their infrastructure and being able to carry Like it, they heard so many victim stories. Like people were telling them on Twitter, they were writing them letters. There were so many campaigns about these victims saying like, this has happened. Like, what are you doing? Please do this. And they didn't care and they didn't listen and they denied they had a problem. But as soon as it came down to money, unfortunately, that's when they decided that they had to do something but there's still so much work to do like there's yeah. so many weird yeah. loopholes i mean they talk about so they've um they talk about verification so now you can only upload a video to pornhub if you are verified if you're a verified user which sounds really good right and i'm like okay fine we'll know where this is coming from but they verified a 15 year old girl in october 2019 who was 15 she was sex trafficked she was abducted oh in florida well documented and that's how the police found her because she there were like 15 plus videos of her on on pornhub so their verification process anyway is just not it's pretty non-existent we can see that by example um and there's just so much to do still but it's a start um yeah. and but I, I do ultimately believe the campaign's goal is to regulate the porn industry, to protect those in who work in the porn industry and to also hold them accountable for the laws that they break. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the other thing, like MindGeek own 80%. That's a massive monopoly. Like we don't allow that yeah. kind of monopolies with tech companies usually. Um, she says, <laughs> Facebook, WhatsApp, maybe not. But like we, we generally don't, like 80% is too high. Um, especially mm-hmm. for something unregulated. So even though Pornhub has done all these things, there are other websites that they own, which is like the majority of the tube sites haven't changed any of their policies. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's still a lot to do, but it was a big victory to get those videos pulled down. And I think it, it helped a lot of more people sleep at night knowing that that content wasn't on there anymore, at least. Totally. I think one last thing I wanted to touch on kind of before we wrap up a little bit is uh, in your podcast, Let's talk about porn, baby. Uh, you talk to, I think, a lot of people that work in that are sex workers, uh, kind of about their experience and stuff. Um, and I know you can't, like, from yourself speak to that, but I'm just curious, like, what have you kind of learned from talking to them about their experiences and how can we as adults consume porn ethically? 
listening to sex workers and their experiences is is massively important to me and the campaign and, and the the women who work for the campaign too I need to understand their perspective because they're the experts like I'm not an expert I've come in yeah. here and I've gotten really angry about something because it happened to my friend and then I have a privileged position because I'm white and I can speak well and I am hetero and cis I have a platform that I can use because of my privilege mm-hmm. but that means I also have to pass the mic and I also have to give it to people that don't necessarily have the mic like that's my responsibility so listening to them is so so important and I think they have so much insight that I will never be able to get I think for a lot of them it's been difficult in the sense that Pornhub also provides them with such a lot like an income because it is the world's biggest porn website Mm -hmm. but they know more than anyone and have known for years that Pornhub isn't the right model for the porn industry it's just they haven't really had that much choice in it and I'm not speaking for all sex workers here just the ones that they get involved in the campaign but I mean Pornhub was built literally because a guy was sat at a computer and was like, I want to access all of this different porn that I can access now on the internet in the early noughties, but you had to pay for it. So all of these people basically came together and shared all of their passwords. So if John paid for this website, then Bob would pay for this site, when Cindy will pay for that site. So they just shared their passwords. They had access to all of this porn and it was like the best thing ever. And he thought, oh, you know what? I could literally just steal all these videos putting up on another website, put some advertising on it and make money. And that's literally wow. how Pornhub was born. And it was it was born off stolen wow. sex worker content. And now we've gotten to a point now where there's such a monopoly in that area that sex workers mm-hmm. have a choice. You can choose to work with Pornhub or you can choose not to work with Pornhub, but you're all going to end up on Pornhub. So you right. can either take a, like a cut, which is going to be significantly smaller than you would have gotten if it was independent or through a paid-for website and be on it, or you can be on it and not make any money whatsoever. So it, it's yeah. it's a super exploitative model, which kind of forces a lot of models to to work with them. But they're also terrified to speak out against them as well in so many different instances because right, they right. can be like their biggest supplier almost. Yeah. Um. So it's one of those things they know it's wrong. They know it's fucked. There's lots of different things, elements of play, but they also want to make a living. And it's it's been a real issue with the campaign in the sense that it's fighting for sex workers rights and for their content to have the same weight as like any other kind of content in terms of copyright and and takedown notices but hurting Pornhub also in a way directly affects porn workers and you kind of have to remind yourself you're like okay this is Pornhub's fault this is no one else's but Pornhub's fault but I honestly do believe it's like that I think the way we solve that is like directing people to pay for their porn and direct them back mm. to the sex workers and giving them more autonomy. I think OnlyFans is a, was a, a great concept of that. I know we're, we're seeing issues of it now, but I think that giving that power directly back to the sex worker and having them having that kind of control over their content and who sees it and getting those kind yeah. of direct benefits, I think is the way forward. I think maybe OnlyFans isn't the way to do it per se. And I think there's loads of things wrong with OnlyFans in itself, but I think there's a way for us to build a porn industry that works and is regulated and works well for sex workers and protects sex workers and also protects people who haven't consented to being on there and it protects children and I think there's a way Mm -hmm. of doing that I think it's going to take a lot of societal rebuilding in like norms and values and and how we think but I think it's doable I do think it's doable I mean do you have any recommendations of like if somebody maybe is using Pornhub a lot but they want to view porn more ethically like where they can kind of start what I would do and I get this asked this question a lot and it's really hard there's loads of different little independent porn companies out there that deserve credit 
for the way the ethical things they put in place but I also can't vet them because I can't go to each of their studios and be like is this ethical what I would say is I think it needs to be model focused so if you have a porn star that you love watching on Pornhub google them they'll have their own page most likely and they'll have their own content that you can pay for directly or at least like pay them something like a lot of you can Vemo people nowadays you know what I mean like there's ways for you to support that sex worker and people have their preferences like I know the classic line that I get from people who are big like fans of Pornhub is like well I only watch like this one model and I know she's obviously over the age of 18 and I know she's consenting I'm like okay we're going to talk about how Pornhub makes money in another way but fine (laughs) but if you really like this porn model and she's like one of your favorites and you think she's fantastic or he's fantastic or they're fantastic google them they have profiles they have social media pages they have their own websites find them pay them Mm -hmm. directly for their content you don't have to go through this and you know if you don't want to pay for them then you shouldn't be watching it because you don't deserve it because money it took money to make that video and you're not entitled Mm -hmm. to watch that for free just because there is because you can you know what I mean but there are loads of nice nice independent porn companies and you can like reach out to them some of them who who offer free content as well ask them about their moderation processes like if you really honestly care about porn enough that you watch it every day you need to also be clued up on what the moderation processes are for that porn website. Mm, you don't, yeah. does anyone in their right mind want to watch someone that hasn't consented to being on there? Does anyone in their right mind who is a sound thinking adult want to watch children? A lot of the time they don't. If you're a consumer of porn, you shouldn't have to worry whether you're watching child pornography for God's sakes or someone not consenting. So in a way, like it's, it's super bad for the consumer as well. And I think that's the one thing that I tell people who are like big fans of the cheap websites and not paying for their yeah. porn is like, well, then in that case, you have to be okay with the fact that that person that you're getting off to might not be over the age of 18, might not have consented to being on a porn website, might not have even consented right. to the sex itself, might not have yeah. consented to the recording of that sex. Like, and if you're okay jacking off to that, then go, then, okay, then my last argument's therapy, wasted. Lots of therapy. So much then, therapy, yeah. So I, I know, think from, like, yeah, from a consumer point of view as well, they deserve to be able to watch porn that's legit. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a big old mess, but we're going to fight it and we're going to solve it and it's it's going to take a really long time um, and yeah. it's something we have to dismantle so much crap and it's not a case of just changing the law. Like, there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. But I am super confident. As long as we keep having these conversations about it and we keep fighting and and giving sex workers the platform to have these conversations I think we're going to be okay and I think we can change it for the better I really really do we're going to keep going the campaign's growing like getting like massive momentum everyone who supports and shares the content and the podcast like just helps in contributing that to that awareness um, and pushing funds to the right people and in the sex industry Mm -hmm. and questioning their local laws and and legislation And, and every time we talk about porn I do honestly believe that we take power away from like the twats at mind geek <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm gonna plug it here please share the campaign we have yes. like some really sick local artists as well who do content on our instagram page which is at not your pxrn because instagram um <laughs> apparently uh, we're on not your porn at twitter as well and not has some really useful information as well if you become a victim of image-based sexual abuse and kind of what you can do and moving forwards Kate, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We're yes. really glad that you came uh, and talked with us about this today. So thank grateful. Thank you so much for being you're, here. You're both amazing. And I think the work that you're doing as well in, in raising awareness around oh. sexual education is so important. Oh, thank you so much. Well, everyone, hopefully that informed you a lot on the ethics of porn and tube sites like Pornhub. 
go check out Kate's podcast. She does an amazing amount of work in this field and is super informative. She talks to all kinds of people who know, you know, so much more than we do. So please check it out. Let's talk about porn, baby. Go find her. Please keep an eye out for our newsletter this month. I'm actually going to be writing a blog post about my experience with revenge porn, which actually is also the subject of our next episode that you'll see next week, uh, as well as the laws in the U.S. around revenge porn. So please sign up for that newsletter. You can find it at sexedpodcast.substack.com, or you can find a link to it on our website at sexedpodcast.com. Please rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really goes a long way to helping us find new listeners. If you have any of your own thoughts about porn or have any great ethical porn recs, please get in contact with us. Our email is sexedpod at gmail.com or you can reach us via Instagram at sexedpodcast. Finally, we want to say thank you to Kent for mastering our audio. He does amazing things every day and makes our podcast wunderbar. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. I didn't have a phone, like a smartphone that I could look it up on and my pay- could look on your Nokia. <laughs> no, not on my Nokia. No, unfortunately, there was no internet connection. We're talking about dial-up days here. Yeah, right. Yeah, like so I could play I, Snake and sex my boyfriend. That's exactly, it. <laughs> and that's about it. And even then, I think it was like two hundred characters max with that sex. So it was, it was like eight uh, equals 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 capital D. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was something along those lines.